All right. Well, it's been a while since we've done a recap. It's been two weeks, but with Father's Day, appendix surgery, all that, and we see how busy we we both, all three of us are, with uh, everything going on with the big team. So we apologize, but nevertheless, we're back for I think this is week thirteen, week fourteen of the Tiger Mountain League report and the season overall. I'm right, like still Sam is Chris Brown and David. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, our heart media and Schistler and our Patreons scrolling below. And we're going to have some video out. We've been, like I said, it's been a busy few weeks on our end, but uh, there's been a lot going on in the last two weeks that we're going to catch up with. And uh, especially with the back and forth between Erie and Toledo's picking up again, in terms of call-ups. So why they green go up to Detroit. So we might do a little Riley green montage kind of thing and talk about that pretty much now he's graduated. Who's the number one prospect of the Tigers. Uh, so that is the debate we're going to have here. Well, I'll start the debate and then it's probably going to go through in the week, but uh, gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah, I mean, do, doing pretty good. Um, t- Tigers, t- Tigers took a rough loss today. That was, it was, it's tough to see that, but um, took two out of three against the Diamondbacks. So I was happy to see that. It, it always makes me just a tad bit happier during the week if the Tigers can have a good, have a good go at it. So. Yeah. Especially because Valley sports reminds us that they're going to San Francisco for the first time since the 2012 world series. We all remember uh, how that went. Oh yeah. That was, that was a good old time. And it does feel like a lifetime ago because it was a lifetime ago, but uh, nevertheless, the, we move on and we start with the mud hens and the mud hens this week split the series with the rail or uh, I forgot the, the rail pigs. Yeah, it's right. Real riders. Real riders. Okay. The, sometimes they go by the pigs, though, right? Don't they have the iron pigs, or am I just? That was the Phillies, wasn't it? The Mahoning Valley, or yeah, this yeah. is the this is the Yankees affiliate. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. that's I got my. Okay, um, but yeah, before we get into the pitching for Toledo, the one thing I want to say is, um, I think it was pretty impressive how uh, Toledo was able to split that series against Scranton because, like, if you look at Scranton Wilkesbury's roster. Like you can swear that if there was a thirty-first expansion team in the MLB, like Scranton Wilkesbury's roster would probably look a lot like that. So it was, that, that's fair to it, say. It, it was pretty interesting to see that we were able to split a series like our the good old Toledo Mudhens. Because yeah, it's like I I was looking at their lineup during the week and I'm like like wow, it's like nine of these guys all this whole lineup has substantial big league service. So yeah, it was nice to see us really battle through that series. Yeah, and the Yankees are one of those organizations that tend to have it's you want to look more at their double A affiliate more. I mean, Chris, was that is that safe to say? Because usually triple A is kind of a cast off of veterans for them, but Erie's or excuse me, double A uh for the Yankees has a lot of their top end talent. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. But there's always uh triple A teams that will have a prospect or two. Like they have Peraza playing shortstop in, in, in Scranton now. He had I think oh, yeah, I forgot about Good call. Um well, and you like think back to the year Nick Castellanos spent basically a full season in Toledo before going to Detroit for September. So there are, there are teams and the Yankees are so good this year that any prospects that might be breaking in kind of it's it, unless there's a big injury, they're not, you know, they're not coming up. So it's probably better than your average AAA team in terms of uh, prospect talent. But yeah, and generally speaking, you're going to find the more exciting prospects at double A and below. Yeah, I mean, and they saw Miguel uh, Anhar, who was playing, who's been playing the outfield, by the way. And so it was one of those things I saw a tweet about that today, where people were saying, "Well, they still have Joey Galloway or Joey Gallo Galloway, to get the former Ohio State receiver for some strange reason." But Joey fair. Gallo, but instead they're not going well, that Mel, Miguel Anhar, but um, who's batting, who's having a good year, is batting over three hundred. But yeah, there you know you're, you're absolutely right, David. There is this this team does have a embarrassment of riches, including the fact that they have a former Tiger in Shane Green in their bullpen. So he's I been, just noticed uh, that today as well. It's yeah, like, it's like wow, how did he get over there? Yeah, he was uh, he got he got dropped by the I believe it was the Dodgers, and then the Yankees picked him up. The former he started his career as a Yankee. So so this hopefully maybe this will help him get back in the majors. We shall see. But, uh, yeah, let's start with the pitching this week. They were outscored by Scranton, by the way, 25-19. to 19. Sam Howard, which is a name that we haven't really discussed too much because he was a, he's one of the 
Tiger signees they signed about two months ago. They signed a Fury about four or five minor league arms, and he made two appearances this week, one run, two Ks. We'll talk about him in a second. But I do want to talk about Brian Garcia. And, David, in terms of what you've been seeing from him or in the last couple of weeks or so, Garcia, again, could not – his K per nine was always a struggle on the major league level. Has his K per nine, or is he striking out more batters in AAA? Yeah. Um. So wait, what's your what's your question exactly? Does he, oh, so is, he, is, he, is he is Brian Garcia striking out more batters? In other words. Oh yeah, it's like when you when you watch him with Detroit. Unfortunately, um, I think it was um the right situation at the wrong time for Brian Garcia when he came up with the Tigers because like he was just coming off of TJ or Tommy John, and he he was lighting it up with Eddie Erie, and then that happened, and then we were like, yeah, he'll pitch the same. Just put him on the big league roster, and we'll see. And then. Yeah, you can tell that there were some games that we saw Brian Garcia in, with the exception of, um, I think it was like 2018, right? He, he put right. up like a two-point-something ERA with the Tigers. But like, as of recently, you just saw him get overmatched on the big league roster. But yeah, it's nice to see that um, he he's starting to get that form back that you saw, especially in that his pre-big league years in the minors. It's like you saw that he's starting to get the snapback on his slider, which was his plus pitch before he came up and yeah, the fastball velocity is starting to come back. It's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed like normally a two pitch pitcher to begin with, but it's nice to see that. Um, Yeah. It's like, he's a, he's a little bit better version of Al Albuquerque. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say the current Albert Al Albuquerque had that, you know, the, what's it called? The Bugs Bunny slider. Yeah. Like, yeah that, so I'm looking at Garcia's got 21 strikeouts and 28 and two third in, uh, innings in Toledo. So it seems like it's still the same. He's, he's learned how to get outs, but he's not missing bad still. So I don't know. Like I said, they, they may run into him. You mentioned Sam Howard. He's on the 40 man, I believe. And that's just, uh, you know, they always want left-handed relief depth. Uh, but Garcia, we may see him. You never know when, when somebody, you know, relievers kind of get burned up pretty quickly. So Garcia is, is there and available. What are they talking about re-signing Drew Hutchison soon? So any arm in a storm. Yeah, I mean, who did we swap out on the 40 man for Howard? I don't think they swapped anybody. I think it was just, uh, you know, somebody was on the 60 man. Uh, I, was I, was, I was trying to look for that and couldn't, it couldn't seem to find anything on the transactions. But yeah, it was, it was weird to see yeah, that I, kind of surprised me. I mean, they've added four or five guys to the 40-man this year, and, and I'm trying to think. They've DFA'd, they DFA'd, what, Garneau and yeah. uh, Barnes and Hutchison twice, I think. That's it, I think. So, um, yeah, they just created room through other means, basically. I saw somebody angry tweet about that uh, about Drew Hutchinson. Um, I mean, who's, by the way, he, he elected free agency. He, he hasn't signed back, has he? They said they're going to re-sign him this week. They're expected to re-sign him this week. Are they oh, actually? Right. <laughs> they're really doing uh, him dirty, aren't they? What's they're, that? They're, they're really doing Drew Hutchison dirty, aren't they? It's like, well, I mean, you know, if he's looking for jobs and, and nobody else is giving him a chance to pitch in the majors, like, I'm sure they're up front with them, like, hey, we're going to sign you and then we're going to cut you. And it's not like, you know, I don't think they would be like, hey, maybe this time. It's not like Lucy with the football. I think they're like, hey, man, we need you. We appreciate it. Earn some more service time. Maybe somebody else sees you again. The fourth time. Well, yeah, but like even in the with the seldom pitching performances that he's made with the Tigers thus far, it's like he hasn't exactly been horrible. It's like he didn't look the best last year. Some of the performances he made, but like you're watching him coming out of the bullpen and made those couple spot starts, and like it's like you can't you can't say that he's not a serviceable major league pitcher. It's like he's been looking pretty decent. I think he's like a. I, I still think he's a bullpen arm, in my opinion. Well, he's yeah. another guy who doesn't really miss bats anymore. I think he did when he was younger, but yeah, they just you know they, they're there's a comfort comfortability there, right? With with a guy that they've had in their organization, so they're like, hey, we can count on you to, to go out there and compete at least. They know that much, and it's uh, you know they moved uh, Wentz to the seven day IL in Toledo just uh, I just want to say last week. I think I don't know what they had him. At before then, but you know a lot of those depth, a lot of those depth arms are are, are kind of disappearing. Elvin yeah. pitch today, and then yeah, there you have uh, Michael Panea who was on rehab assignment, and he did a couple starts. We'll talk about that in a second. 
Daz Cameron's back at Toledo after his rehab assignment. And also the Tigers traded Ryan Lavaway to the Marlins, who he was with at one point. And they signed a catcher. And the reason why is because they signed catcher Al Sanchez or Ali Sanchez from the Cardinals, the former Met, who was drafted or excuse me, signed by the Mets as an international signing, I believe in 2016. And he's no more for his defense than I guess his raw hitting tool, raw power tool, but it's not showing up at all. But he's had a couple of cup, cup. He's had a couple cups of coffee. So that choice again, uh, with between the Mets and St. Louis. So they have a, a veteran catcher down there to add to with Garneau. And also there was a, I saw a video. I think it was yeah, somebody posted that uh, Jake Rogers has been thrown again. So maybe in the next month or so, we'll hear some news on Rogers turn up. So we'll see what happens. But as far as getting back to the arms, yeah, Panea this week, two starts. He looked, I mean, he, he looked like typical, but yeah, just kind of gets allows hits. He pitches a contact, doesn't have the strikeout stuff like he used to. And, but the, the starter of the week is Garrett Hill, five innings, three hits, no runs, no walks and five strikeouts. So that's a good thing to see, especially for if the Tigers want to decide to put them in the bullpen or how they want to see fit for that. So um, I think we, I think we got some video of that too. We gotta, we gotta put up some video, man. We gotta. Up from Garrett Hill? Yeah. He was pretty good in that start. Well, one thing, one thing I really liked about Garrett Hill watching, watching that start is, is really consistently repeating his delivery. It's like he got, he got in and out of the straight, in and out of the stretch a couple times, some of his innings. But yeah, it's like just, just seeing how repeatable he is when he's pitching. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty consistent to see, and it's nice to see because like once you get that motion down, then it's all about throwing strikes, and that's what he did today. Oh, I should clarify, Chris. I had I recorded. Part of Hill start, and I haven't had a chance to. That's what I mean, but uh, yeah. And in, in terms of hitting the the long debut of the long awaited debut of Kerry Carpenter at Toledo, after Erie just fell short in the first half of the playoff run, and that was the reason why Erie was waiting. The Tigers were possibly waiting to call him up. He went three for six this week. He had three home three run homer. He had four RBIs and a double, and that included that included the Bowie series, right, David? Um, well, I think he, he was having a pretty rough series with Bowie before he got, he got the call to Toledo. It's like, I think he only had like one or two hits and like five or six at bats or so. So, I mean, yeah, he was, he was going through it, but yeah, it's like, it's nice to see. It's like, this could also be the, um, like, I'm going to call it the Akil Badu syndrome of not a lot of people having very much video on you. And then you come up to the new league and just crush it. It's like, of course it's like, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy in on the Kerry Carpenter and Toledo hype just yet. I want to see. I want to give him like maybe a week or two with Toledo just to see where he would iron out right there. But it's nice to see that like it looks like he was putting the bats of the ball really good, especially if you watch that home run. It's like looks like he got all of it there. I mean, granted, it looked like the pitcher. I I can't. I couldn't tell if it was a like just like a slow fastball or like a really just like really flat breaking ball. But yeah, it just looked like he saw it really well and he put some good contact on it. As far as his numbers in Erie are concerned, in June, he was batting 241 with five home runs, and he had 21 strikeouts to four walks, which is, Chris, like you and I have talked about this numerous times about, you know, 24 years old, doing that in double A, he should be doing that, and about his prospect status. And so there's this – I don't know if people are joking about it or not, but they, they like to, he should be in the Tigers' offense. But, I again, I, I it's good that he's in Toledo, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't. That's not uh, happening anytime soon. I, I think uh, we saw the same thing with Cody Clemens, right? Call him up, call him up, call him up. They finally called him up, and it took him uh, what he, he went like oh for fifteen or something like that. Finally, seems to be doing his his thing. Got a home run the other day, but uh, yeah, Double A is uh, worlds away from the majors, and if you're not taking any walks and striking out at a high rate, you're not going to succeed. Uh, it was cool to see him come up and hit immediately. I mean, we kind of saw something like that last year with Ryan Kreidler, where we uh, and he was he was p- hitting well in Erie and it was starting to get better and better. And then he got called up to Toledo. We were there for the first game and he hit a home run. We're like, huh, all right. Um, so yeah, sometimes guys they get that you know they, they can start smelling the majors and and they lock in a little bit. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's and we hinted before, if if not outright said, like we think he's in Erie because they're trying to make the playoffs, right? 
right. and they wouldn't care about the playoffs in Double A if it was a prospect they felt like they could help them in the majors, right? Like if, if they thought this was a guy who could help the major league team this year, we're not going to keep him in Double A to make the playoffs. But they they don't plan on him coming up to the majors this year, so they kept him in Double A because they wanted Erie to get you know a taste of the postseason, which they haven't had in in ten years, and unfortunately they came one game short. Yeah. And and that's all it is. I mean, in Erie, these are like the way Erie's had some problems with the bullpen, which we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, Garrett uh, White, we'll, we'll talk more about that here in the next segment. But overall, Erie's had a good year in terms of the rotation. And offensively speaking, they began a spark from Winsteel Perez and Parker Meadows from West Michigan. So there's there's that. And we can get to that in a second. But yeah, it's Carpenter Toledo. Uh, David, you said you're going to examine it a little bit more as uh, the next couple weeks go on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like, and like you mentioned, Chris, like the walks are pretty concerning. It's like, of course, it's um, it's always exciting to hit home runs, but like with that, you tend to get a, lo- a little bit more of an aggressive mindset to the plate. It's like the first thing your mind is set on is like, I'm going to keep this going and I want to go deep here. So, I don't know. It's maybe, of course, it's going to be rough to say, you know, just don't focus on hitting home runs so much as trying to get a better view of the strike zone. But yeah, it's like the one. That's the one thing I really want to see. It's like I want to see him taking more. It's like the the more patient you can be, and like even even if we can see like five walks and twenty at bats, it's like I would be happy with that. It's like yeah, I just and, and plus I want to see hitting more singles as well. It's like that's the one thing I think he was lacking. It's like you can tell when a hitter starts to overextend and tries to just put the ball over the fence every at bat and. Yeah, as soon as as soon as I can start seeing like slash more singles and take more walks, then yeah, I'm like I'll I'll start to buy into it a tad. But um, right now it's like I'm I'm not sold on it. Not to change the subject too much, but um, real quick before we get to Erie, one of those things was interesting as we approach the draft coming up, and we're in the middle of a season. Keeping we're all we all know we're in the middle of the season, but LSU is hiring pitching uh, Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson, the same role. In the middle mm-hmm. of the season, that's I, I don't yeah. know, Chris. What are gonna, what's, what's your thoughts about that? It's it's very unusual. It's uh, first of all, Wes Johnson. I believe they hired him from Arkansas. Yeah, I think he was the pitching coach at Arkansas, uh, and he's been the pitching coach at Twins. And the Twins have have done some pretty good things with their pitching, at least uh, throughout the system. You know, they they haven't been like dominant at the major league level, but they've been pretty good at you know Joe Ryan developing him and and. Uh, some other arms in there so i I know what's weird like lsu not only did they get him they also just got two huge transfers they got tommy white you know that freshman from nc state he's leaving nc state going to lsu and i've I've forgotten oh the christian little i think from vanderbilt leaving vanderbilt to go to lsu so they're doing something down there at lsu to really i think it's kind of like in the age of nil they're one of the teams, like, we've seen what Texas A&M is doing in football. They're just like, yeah, we'll just go ahead and spend $25, $30 million. I think LSU is, is uh, trying to, you know, fashion itself as the top destination in college baseball. And they, they poached Arizona's coach last year and Arizona's best hitter. So I think, yeah, they're, they're just, uh, I don't know. If you're an LSU baseball fan, you got to be pretty happy about that. But it is very strange for the Twins and for Twins fans. I, I don't know if there's, you know, Maybe chemistry issues there, or maybe uh, you know the second in command in terms of pitching uh, is basically deserving, and uh, you know Les Johnson's like, yeah, yeah, he 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 deserves the job. I'm gonna go take this job. Maybe he just likes living in Louisiana. I don't know. Yeah, it also doesn't help. I mean, again, maybe some of the boosters down in the SEC schools got some big fu money. They got some. Money yeah, I mean, like, only throw around. I mean that, that is that's what I mean. Like it's uh it's like an extension of what's going on with that that golf tour. Like the, the people down and he might he's taking on the same role, right? Pitching coach from a, from a major team down to a college team. Ordinarily, that would be probably a huge pay cut. But uh, with the pocket these people have down, he could be getting more money. That could be a work balancing too. I mean, yeah, for sure. you, know, I mean you have to recruit now, but I mean I'm sorry to cut you off, Chris, but you want you want to hear my two cents on it? Sure. This, this is going to kind of sound kind of backwards, but uh, hear me out. It's like um, my first thought when you say that is this is this is the equivalent re- really of um, wanting to be a college teacher over a high school teacher. Like if, if you think, think about it this way, it's like 
you're you're a major league pitching coach, right? And I'm sure you deal with half your pitching staff is probably the rookies that you're trying to mold from the minor leagues, but have pretty much been through their development steps leading up to the major leagues. And then the other half, you have your you have your veterans that like you know they probably tell our pitching coach it's like yeah I'm gonna get my bullpen in it's like your your suggestions are noted but um I usually have my rhythm and I know what I want to do so like when you look at the college circuit it's like you still have you still have a lot of guys down there that like I'm not gonna say projects but like you know you gotta put your you gotta put every single um experience and words of wisdom that you have about pitching into these guys on a pitching staff and especially in college, it's like you have a lot of young guns down there, needless to say, and they'll probably would say, like, you know, I'm trying to get X amount of miles an hour or more on my fastball and not focusing on, you know, honing in the strike zone and learning control and command. And that's something that a coach with major league experience could want to do. It's like just try and mature guys up a little bit more and just give him his words of wisdom that, like, people in the major leagues may already know. That's a good way to put it. Definitely. Um, let's go to Erie because Erie is the offensive bats for Seawolves have kind of busted out a little bit. Um, they finished just one game back of the playoffs. They finished the first half of the season at 39 and 30, uh, easily the best record of any affiliate in the Tiger system. And they outscored the Bay Sox 32 to 17. And in terms of pitching, it's this kind of same kind of same story. Austin Bergner, six innings, eight hits, six strikeouts, but he's been pitching solid as of late. Uh, Reese Olsen, in terms of that was his first really bad, I don't know, a bad start, but it was, you know, in terms of a. Uh, it was, it was a must win game. Like every win, every yeah. game this week was a must win game for because they were, I think they began the week two games behind Richmond and Akron. And uh, yeah, it just, you know, it, it was a tough. Tough look in a in a must win game. They only go four innings and give up what was it four or five runs? Four runs. Yeah, it's it was it was it was frustrating to see. But and you talked about this, Chris, and uh, the other night when we were in Lansing for the game that Wilmer Flores did not have his best stuff, but still pitched very well his last couple outings. And they answered the question we had to answer on YouTube real quick: Hill, Olson, or Carpenter get the call up this year? On all three, I think it would be Hill. I think Olson just still needs some time before he does that, but. uh Chance Kirby, who was the Eastern League pitcher of the week, I believe, last week. I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah. yeah, he pitched strong. He's been pitching really good. Six innings, one run, one walk, and four strikeouts for the week. In terms of the offensive profiles, this is Andre the month of Andre Lipsius. 12 for 25, two doubles, two home runs, six RBIs. Slash line, 355, 41, and 548 in the month of June. Dave Myers, again, or guy, Chris has talked about this numerous times. We all talked about this, uh, how Dave Myers just does his job. And Winsfield Perez hit his first double-A home run. But, again, him and Parker Meadows have both been a spark for the Seawolves offense, which kind of leads to the fact that West Michigan has been struggling on, on offense. But, nevertheless, I digress. But, gentlemen, in terms of offensive profiles that stand out to you guys, what stood out to you in Yuri this week? Well, the one thing I like is you touched on it, Raj, but like Andre Lipsius, yeah, like that man has ate his Wheaties and um, he, he found some. It's like we were, we were really, uh, I'm not going to say getting down on him when the double A season started, but he, you know, he wasn't having, he wasn't having the best go out at the start of the season, but like it's nice. It was nice to see him like start to hit for more power and like he's just working counts. He's driving, he's driving guys in. And it's like, it's just nice. It's just nice to see the, all the mechanics and all like, cause like, you know, none of us ever see the, the work that players put in behind the scenes. And like, you know, you could be like fixing or tweaking, like moving your hands from here to here and, or like just doing these little things and it's still not working out. And, you know, it's, it's rough, especially when you're in double A and like, you know, you're so close, you can feel the next step coming, but yeah, it's like some, the stars align for Andre Lipsius and it's just nice. It's just really nice to see that happening. Yeah, we we we've seen Lipsius. He's flashed at least above average power. We've seen it a bunch in in batting practice. He'll he'll go deep to the opposite field. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't really translating to games. And I, it, if you recall, he had 
he hit for a fair amount of power in his junior season at Tennessee. Was kind of want to be going to be one of his. He hadn't really before that, so it was a little bit suspicious. But it was like, yeah, we know it's in there. So and that's the the thing that was missing from his game, right? Because he, he walks plenty. He plays really solid, steady defense at multiple positions. And now if he's going to hit for some power, then suddenly it becomes a little bit more intriguing. It's still probably utility player profile, but he's getting closer to that that ceiling. Yeah, I mean, um, and I, I don't know if we're done talking about Lipsius, but I wanted to touch on um, Gage Markman as well. That's a, yeah, that's another that's another guy. I just thought that like um, it's it's nice to see it starting to work out here for him a little bit. It's like I know the um the two blowout games that Yuri had this past series are kind of inflating the numbers a little bit for some of the hitters, but um, yeah, it's it's nice to see that like you know. It's it's been hard to find positives for Gage Workman so far this series season, but yeah, it's just it's it's nice to see him starting to find the swing from both sides of the plate. Like like I've been preaching this every show we've done so far. It's always it's always just a tad bit harder when you're a switch hitter because like you have twice as much work to do as the normal hitter, and you have to make sure that your swing from both sides of the plate is on both nights because you never know who you're going to face. And this is the swing was looking really good out of Gage Workman this week. It's nice to see him. It's nice to see him putting it together. I'm not, like I said, the two blowout games really inflated it. I'm not gonna put all my money into, on the table just yet, but I'll put like I'll put like one um one chip, and I, I, I like I like what I saw. It was it was interesting because yeah, it, you know the, the issue with the workman is always going to be contact and strikeouts, and I think he still had ten strikeouts and two walks this week. Um, but when you watch the games, some of those at bats were incredibly long. I think he had an eleven pitch at bat that ended up in a strikeout unfortunately but yeah he he, uh he was really battling in a lot of plate appearances so uh yeah you know he's just such an up and down player that i don't even know what to make of him really anymore like he's just gonna have to show me like i say he he feels like a two-year eerie player to me yeah Yeah. the thing about workman is too is that for all we, we know how talented he is on defense we all know that he has that ability to go all fields and hit with power. But the, the downside about it is, is that I feel like some of those bad habits are still going to, he's going to have to see another and cl- clean, a cleaning up of his bad habits of uh, just sometimes just going in and having these quick at bats where he's down in three or four pitches on a strikeout. So that's just, that's my take on it. I, I think that maybe the next year they work on the ability for him not to necessarily, he's not, I don't know if he's ever going to draw walks because you are what you are. But perhaps just to hit for me, just for average, consistently. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, it seems like. Go ahead, David. Or, sorry, sorry about that. But yeah, it's it, honestly it's it's unfortunate. But it seemed like it seemed like the case for a couple couple of Erie hitters so far this year. It's like Parker Meadows. He he got the step up to Erie, and it looked like he was he was struggling a little bit to um, get a good view of the strike zone. I know it sounds weird when you say like, you know, these hitters, these hitters that are getting their shot in the minor leagues to find a good view of the strike zone, but it is moving up from league to league. It could be pretty hard. You're seeing new pitches. You're seeing guys that have like a lot more plus stuff than you did in your previous level. But yeah, it's like sometimes a hitter just needs to find their way to the strike zone. And I think that was the, it was hard for a lot of, like we saw it with Daniel Cabrera as well. It's like came up to Erie and he was, he was not looking like the Daniel Cabrera we were expecting. And yeah, it was, it was, it was nice to see a payoff for Meadows and Workman today, but yeah, it's like, that's just something that some of the eerie hitters in the lineup needed to work on just trying to get the hone in the strike zone better and like know what pitch you want to swing at and when, and, but yeah, it's nice to see some of it, it, it going well for some of the guys this week. Yeah. And again, it's, there's been more talk about this and, and Chris mentioned this last week as far as potentially Winsteel Perez getting a spot on the 40 man roster seems like it's more of a possibility. Chris, you still stand by that statement? Cause I, I you know, when you said I started looking at it and I know second base right now, you have, there's a big void there, but however, he has stone hands. Does that really well, matter? It's not the hand so much as the arm. He, he just, he, makes so many bad throws that, that seem absolutely routine that it, it's kind of unbelievable. Like he'll make throwing errors from 30 feet away at second base, like Chuck Knobloch style. 
or uh, I don't know any other second baseman who might be younger that that uh, David might know. But um, but yeah, like the offensive numbers are spectacular this year. He, he's I was looking it up. So he's he's 22, right? He's 22 and he's in Double A. Spent most of the year in High A, but he's his first week at Double A has been pretty good outside of not walking yet. Um, and he's hitting 290 plus with. He's got 10 home runs now. He's got 13 steals, and he's got a strikeout rate under 20%. He is one of two players in minor league baseball who can say that. The other one is, is Gunnar Henderson, who is like a top 30 overall prospect in baseball. Um, now he's doing it at 20, but still, like, like these are uh, really outstanding stats that, uh, you know, if, if Kerry Carpenter weren't around, I, I'd probably be pushing for Winslow Perez as the, you know, Tigers minor league hitter of the year. Um but uh, so, yeah, like, I, I think a guy like that in double A who had some prospect pedigree, right? He was on a, like top 10 lists, I think, or at least close to it two, three, four years ago, uh, kind of finding it again. I think they're going to add him. I, I think they're going to add Meadows and Perez to the 40 man in the offseason. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like, I don't know if, if, if it's always a bit of a gamble, right? Like you think, yeah, they might get taken, but they're not going to stick. So that's kind of what you you have to deal with. Especially, you know what, I will say I'm pretty, pretty kind of, I'm not going to lie, pretty surprised in, in the outcome with Parker Meadows that originally saw that transition to Erie and was like, oh boy, here we go. But he's picked it up and he's showing it and he can, it, you know, it's it's nice to see. I mean, it, finally that it wasn't just him just graduating from West Michigan that we're just like celebrating that. We're celebrating actual real progress with him, so he starts doing some he starts doing some parachute drills, in my opinion. It's like this is gonna sound weird, but like I was watching him track some fly balls in the outfield recently. It's like he looks like he's carrying a piano around his back. But um, yeah. Other than that, it's like it, it's uh, like I said, I'm I'm gonna give credit where credits due, and it's nice to see um Parker. We like we always knew it was there with Parker Meadows. It's like we saw it in West Michigan this year. It's like granted, we all thought the promotion of Erie was a little bit premature but yeah it's like you said raj there's nice nice see progress being made yeah so he went with three for three for four today with a walk and a home run um so that i'm looking i'm just trying to do his stats on the fly right now because in june he's only hitting it's, it's a 690 ops but that's much better than his 570 in may i think you know, meadows to me it's like the the uh Zorro workman like there's some tools there but Meadows has always done a decent job of controlling the strike zone. He doesn't strike out a ton. He walks a decent amount. He just never hits the ball hard when he's, or at least he didn't until this year. And he did for about a week and we got excited. And then uh, he didn't again for like six weeks, uh, but he, he's picked it up in the last three or four weeks in double A, which is what you want to see. And I think like not to spend too much time on, but like I said, I, I think that we'll probably see him go out to the Arizona fall league. Cause that's where they send players who are like, they're kind of on their, the fringes of the 40 man and they'll watch to see how he performs against some of the better minor leaguers. And, and then maybe they'll add him. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. can't really, uh, again, it's just like, I'm just glad we're having this conversation right now about Parker Meadows. So yeah. let's, uh, let's move on to West Michigan and the white caps pretty much have a split. They split in two different ways. Scoring, 25-25, and 3-3 at Cedar Rapids. So they finished for the first half of the season 31-35. and They're now 2-1 in the second half of the season. And speaking of things that could go up to Erie soon, and Chris uh, mentioned this earlier, it's a, this might be the last start for Ty Madden in a West, West Michigan Whitecaps uniform. Brilliance today. Another strong outing. He's been at 97-98. It looks like he's been hitting a groove. Dylan Smith this week, five innings, two two runs, two walks, five strikeouts. And Brant Hurdler, who was called up for Lakeland a couple weeks ago, has been also fit and pitching pretty decently for the Whitecaps. And another one, another guy who I saw in Lakeland who I really liked was Carlos Mendoza. He's up with Michigan, so that's changed the last couple weeks. And, yeah, he has been very, very good defensively. He shows a really good range at third. There was a couple plays last week in Peoria where he was just gunning it and then just Flashing leather on third and at second, um, and then Jake Colton, who was the minor, the West Cap Player of the Week or the Month, I think it was. I can't remember. I think it was the week. It was the week. Okay, 
Um, I don't want to say month, but uh, he also has um, a steady performer in terms of in, in terms of the bats. There's not a month to write, write home about bats. It's been struggling in the bullpen, has been imploding a couple times recently. But yeah, I'll start with you. What stood out to you this week at West Michigan among the pitching? Well, yeah, it's like you look at um, I mentioned it the last show about Ty Madden and um, like. The, the, it's really nice to see because, like, you know, we were talking about um the rough go at it that Ty Men had in, like, what was it, like, early May? Is is something like that. It's like he just – kid just could not catch a break. It's like – it's it's always nice to see because, like, I was talking about it last show, and it's like it looked like – it really looked like it was the same case going forward these last two starts. It's like it looked like he wasn't trying to he, – he had a pretty good mix of not trying to overpower hitters. Like, he wasn't – I. In my opinion, the fastball velocity looked good, but it didn't look like he was trying to blow it by everybody every single pitch. It's like he was really mixing in the he, he mixed in a lot of the arsenal pretty good, and like I said, only one walk in ten innings. It's like it was nice to see him really just hone in the strike zone. It's like just really putting together some good outings. And you're right, Chris. I think he it it would be interesting to see um, the next step in Erie. Like in my opinion, I think yeah. I don't think there's any any much more he needs to prove because, like you know, the walks are down. It's like he's starting to throw. He's starting to throw the fastball for strikes. He's getting his breaking ball over, and yeah, it would be it would be nice to see, nice to see what the next challenge would bring for him. Yeah, with with Madden, it's kind of interesting though. Like I, I could, I suppose they could keep him down there if they wanted because he hasn't been that sort of Flores dominant, you know, where he's just striking out fifty percent of the people. He's just uh, basically not giving up any hard contact this month. So I, I just looking. So 25 innings in June, 12 hits allowed, two runs, uh, one home run that had been a worry. Right, his first uh, two months he gave up eight home runs, four walks, 22 strikeouts. Batters are hitting 138 against him. It was a .075 ERA. Um, and and beyond that, this is just the time when guys get promoted. Right, it's the middle of the season. It's uh, you know I don't know who they would bring up from. Lakeland, they'd figure it out, or maybe they'd send somebody down from Erie. I don't know how they do it, but yeah, it seems like it's the, it's time for a, a new challenge for them. They held him to what uh, sixty three pitches today. They they gave him five innings, and he could have gone probably two, three more innings. <laughs> uh, but it's his first pro season, so they're trying to keep him keep his innings down. But I do think that they will probably want to challenge him at some point, and I would assume it'll be soon. Seems like a good time to do it right now, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean. It's like, uh, Chris, you were talking about the home runs. And it's like, yeah, the, the the one thing is that really is the cause of that is when you're just over, you're just overthrowing and you're just trying to blow it by everybody and the hitters start to catch up to it. You can throw your fastball too much and needless to say, it starts going over the fence because like as soon as hitters catch up to your fastball, it doesn't matter how fast it is. It's like as soon as you – release one too soon or too late on a curveball, it's going to be a cement mixer right down the middle. It's going to be, it's going to go 500 feet. So like, it's nice to see that the, I, I think personally the style changed a little bit. It's like, like you said, Chris, it's nice to see that like, you're not focusing on just trying to blow by everybody and you're focusing on soft contact because sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you throw, that could be the case. It's like, as long as you keep it deceptive and, and that was the case of Madden. It's like, his fastball look good. It's like it's not just like, in my opinion, watching the video, it's not just like a straight right down the right down into the strike zone. It looks like it has some dip to it. But yeah, um, that's like, I honestly, in my opinion, I, I think if you guys have something to say, I don't think he has anything left to prove in West Michigan. I think he checked all the boxes for him. Yeah, yeah I, I'd like, I'd like, oh, go ahead, Rush. No, I was just gonna say, I don't think he has anything left to prove in West Michigan. That's just really it. Go ahead, Chris. No, I would. I would like to see him go up to Erie and maybe get beat up a little bit, right? Like you wanna, you wanna see somebody struggle and and overcome it. So that's that's what I would like to see next. Uh, and if he doesn't get beat up, then all the better. But wanna, you know, go up there and, and you know face some hitters who are gonna challenge you more. That's what player development's about. I want to see like that's that's a good point, Chris. Because like the one thing I want to see is um if he does get roughed up a little bit, I want to see like how it would be per se. Because like you know, if if you use your if hypothetically Madden would use the system that he's been using in West Michigan so far, and he takes that into a start in Erie, and like all of a sudden double A hitters are roughing him up a little bit, I want to I want him to think stand there and think like, uh oh, it's like 
this was I was riding high on this setup of pitching today, and all of a sudden this is crumbling down around me. So what do I do? Actually, I, it it would be nice to see how he would adjust properly to double A hitting, because like it is that you would see that there is a pretty pretty decent difference in double A hitting when you move up to the next level. But so that would be nice to see. As far as there was a question about Dylan Smith, and I think he'll maybe get a call up by the I maybe I think after the drafts, maybe for Dylan Smith. Uh just depends what's going on with Lakeland. But yeah, I think maybe after the draft. Yeah, I mean he's also been pretty solid this year. That the only difference with him is is his struggles have come more recently. So it might be a little bit harder to justify. So like in in June, batters are hitting three forty five against him. Uh, he was he was pretty darn good in April and May and it's starting to fall apart a little bit on him this month, but that may just be, he's walking more guys, not striking out as many guys. It, it may just be him getting tired. He's also pretty young. I think he, uh, yeah, well, he just turned 22 in, in May. So uh, I, I could see him getting called up as well, but um, he's, he's a guy who you could justify keeping him in West Michigan based on his recent performance, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sorry, Sorry Raj. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been unfortunate with Dylan Smith because I think Chris, you've said it a couple times before. Um, Dylan Smith has always been kind of like the tale of two pitchers. Like he hasn't really put in that um median start where you can where you can get a gauge for like what he what he has and like what he could what he could bring to the table in terms of like you know getting roughed up in one inning and then coming back and just adjusting yourself maybe through like the second time in the lineup or even the third time in the lineup. But um. I'd like to, I'd just like to see some of that. Like, I don't want to see, or of course I, it would be nice to see, but I, um, I, I, the scoreless innings would be pretty good. But like, I, like I said, I just want to see that middle ground. It's like I, with Dylan Smith, it's either been, he's getting blown up or he's like, just lighting, he's lighting the world on fire. So it'd be nice to see like what a really good middle, middle ground Dylan Smith looks like. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to look at it because if, if, Especially West Michigan probably want him if stick around and give them a chance to as a draw, just as a draw some more tickets and more fans and some good crowds over there. So because if Madden goes, then the question is who would come up from Lakeland. And speaking of the Flying Tigers, we have a question in our chat from good old Walter Briggs, and he was asking, "Will Pacheco see any promotion this year?" He hasn't been able to pay attention to the last month. And Pacheco, as far as his numbers go in June, we'll get to the pitching here shortly. But as far as what he's doing in the month of June, he's hitting still hitting over 300. The just one home run for the month, so he's kind of falling off in power wise. But Chris, I'll start with you in terms of uh, Isaac Pacheco. He's still in, in terms of walks. He is thrown this month. His walk to strikeout ratio is five to eleven, which isn't bad. So it seems like he's getting showing more patience at the plate, but as far as him going up to West Michigan, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I mean, maybe till August, if, 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 if at all, it's just my opinion. Yeah. I think that's another one that's going to depend on the draft. Um, and it's, you know, you got kind of a decent comparable between Pacheco and Colt Keith from last year. Cole Keith uh, put up like an 870 OPS in high A or low A Lakeland uh, in about 40 games last year. And, and Pacheco is about 100 points under that, but he's still performing at a well above average level in the league uh, for his age. So it's, it's a case where you could justify bringing him up, I think, but you could also justify, and they used to do this all the time where they were just the, the first season of pro ball, they wouldn't mess around with guys, wouldn't move them, you know, because you're in Lakeland, you're most likely staying in the, the dorms, right? The, uh, the Lakeland dorms, they move you up to West Michigan. You got it. You're, you're with a host family. You're kind of on your own more. Uh, and maybe they think he's ready for that challenge. Maybe he's not, uh, but uh, sometimes it's, it's more than just the baseball. Right. So yeah, I don't know, I'm going to check. Go ahead. I'm going to check I something mean, real quick. The, the one thing I'm going to say about Isaac Pacheco is I really, I really like the hit tool. Cause like as, essentially why we drafted him. It's like, I know we drafted him with a, he wasn't really sticking at a position. We didn't know if he was going to play what infield position he was going to play, whether it be short, second or third. He looked, I mean, I know it, he didn't really look, he didn't really have the short step mobility, but the one thing I really want to see is um 
this is kind of a throwback, and I don't want it to be just like this, but the one thing I want to see out of Isaac Pacheco is kind of like a watered-down Brock, De- Brock Deathridge re- week. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I'd want to just kind of just go off and just hit everything in sight. Because, like, if he, can, if he can do that and, like, get the confidence to just keep that up a tad, then I would say, like, yeah, maybe it'd be worth a shot. But, like, like you said, Chris, it's, like, the hardest, the hardest thing to do is, like, especially moving you from, like, sunny Lakeland, Florida, all the way up to West Michigan, where it's, like, it's, like, the sc- the scenery around you is going to be different. Like, pretty much your whole world's going to be turned upside down. So, like, I think just, in my opinion, finishing out the finishing out the year with Lakeland would be the best move for Pacheco and just like giving him a fresh season, fresh start in West Michigan next year, depending on how he finishes. But that's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not even 20 years old yet. So it doesn't turn 20 till I believe the fall, November, I believe in November, he'll be turning 20 in November. So that could be the case, but if he's more than advanced, if he, if they believe that it just depends on how, and you know, Chris, I, I, you're absolutely right. It just depends on what they do the draft because the Tigers might go bat. They might go pitch. Who knows what the who, – no, who knows? But um, the rest of West Michigan – excuse me, Flying Tigers, they went two and three against the Fort Myers Muscle. Mighty Muscles? The Mighty Muscles? Oh. Yeah, they used to be the Miracle. Yeah. Um, the Mighty Muscles. Yeah. Miracle is a dumb name anyways. Sorry. I I just that, there was also a pretty suggestive uh, Mighty Muscles logo, if I can oh, find it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you looked that one up. I know what you're talking about. They fit it, Lakeland, by the way, just finished two games under 500. All things considering, I think that that's some good progress. The Fly Tigers have made some really significant progress this year, and they're now one and one in the second half. We'll talk about the Jackson Job and 20 pitches mystery in, a, in Scooby-Doo style in the case of uh, Jackson Job in a second, but uh, Garrett Bernhardt, who I think would be the next guy to get called up to West Michigan should somebody like Ty Madden go up to Erie, had a good week. And you're absolutely right, David. You put that in the note. Carlos Pena, quote, needs to be fill, needs to fill out his frame. He is a little dude. He's about, He looks like the size of David. I'm dead serious. He looks about your size, man. I'm, I'm dead. When I saw him up in person, because when we're, I was at Lakeland, he was in the bullpen, and you stood up, you're like, he looks like, he, he looks like he's 16 years old. He doesn't look... You know, but he's he's going out there and he's he's a lefty for the for the Flying Tigers, and he's a guy I can you know touch and feel kind of thing. And one of the guys that I was really excited about in Lakeland, but I was told to kind of quote calm down a little bit about him was uh, as uh, Esni Chacon, who's had a really good month of June in terms of if you look at his numbers production wise, he is he is thirty he's twenty seven for seventy eight, so he's bad three forty six in the month. He doesn't have a lot of power. He's not a power hitting guy. He's a speeds guy. Uh, speed guy. Um, he's a he, he, he hits for speed. He, excuse me. He's a good contact hitter and has really good speed on the bases and defensively pretty good out in the outfield as well. And he's having a really good month. So it's good to see that because as far as Lakeland outfielders are concerned, there's not much to write home about. And that's even the case with the Florida Coast Tigers, which there's some numbers that Chris was telling me early on Friday. Some of the scores. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes! And uh, but you know, and then Christian Santana and David, you point this out, had a good series. And despite the struggles he's had in the month overall, um, Manuel Sequeira has been having a better month, but he is not hitting for average at all. And the walks have picked up on him. But the mystery starts with Jackson Job. Why did he pitch twenty pitches, David? Do you um, have any idea? I mean, like I was talking to Chris about it earlier today, and it's like my my thoughts were like maybe some really crazy some some zany pitch ceiling it's like i've never seen i've never seen a pitch count limit be that low for a starter but um yeah i mean it's just it's just weird to see that because like you know yes he was he was throwing strikes pretty good but um yeah like it's 16 strikes for 20 pitches but like that's still you can't just say like oh you're throwing strikes that completes the assignment for today it's like your your day's done but uh, that that was just my that was just my take on it. It's like Chris, I know you had a you had a lot better of an explanation than I did. Well, I mean, I you know, it's we're all just throwing throwing things out there. My thought was, you know, there was a ton of rain in Florida because it's Florida and it's the summer, and I I don't know if he was scheduled to pitch Friday, but he was definitely scheduled. If 
Friday was rained out. He was definitely scheduled to pitch the first game on Saturday. And then both those games were rained out. So I just wonder if maybe it was a situation where like he got up there and got warmed up and was getting ready to pitch maybe even once or twice. And then the game was banged and they still wanted him to pitch. So he went out today and they just were being super cautious because it was basically like a bullpen session for him. The, uh, now, I did see one other thing, and I, I'm checking right now to verify this because there's one other theory. Somebody in our, in our Discord pointed it out, and I just got to find this. Okay, 670219. I'm checking I mean, the baseball Chris, data. Yeah, What's Chris, that? While, you're looking, while you're looking that up, it's like I made, I made my other point here, and it's like I don't know if this, if this is the same for prep high schools or public school where I – or when I was when – I, when I was in that time, it's like, you know, there's – when you're when you're a starter on the high school level and you're getting you're getting a pretty beefy amount of time between your starts, it's like, and you know in that time you're not exactly going over data or just doing throwing programs or anything like it. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what level of high school pitcher you are, but that could be the case as well. And like well, another thing we got to remember is that Job, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Job wasn't a primary baseball player his whole high school career, right? It's like he was a two sport athlete and like. Didn't he just choose baseball his junior year or something like that? It was it was. Well, I think he, yeah, he, along those lines, yeah. He played football. Uh, he was a quarterback, I believe. He was also a really good golfer, as you would expect. But yeah, he was a, a, a shortstop, and then became a primary pitcher his junior, the, the basically the showcase season before his senior year. So yeah, I mean he's he's a lot more raw than I think. Um, certainly more raw than fans. We're expecting, and I think probably a lot more raw than the organization was expecting. At least the, you know, the people who drafted him might have known, but the coaches were like, "Huh, I don't know about this." Um, but the one thing that, that I wanted to point out, um, and I, were you done with your point, David? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, yeah. This, I guess, the only other thing I wanted to say is like when you think about it, it's like when you're, well, especially like I didn't even, I, I didn't even remember that when you brought it up. But like, just picture that. Um, you're casually making starts in high school and you're just starting to get back into pitching when, when you're sporadically pitching in high school. And then all of a sudden you make it into the, like all you're making it in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden the coach, you're like, okay, guess what? You're making starts every five days now. And like, you're going to be on throwing programs and you're going to be doing this, that, and the other thing. So like, I can imagine like when you're not a primary pitcher in high school to begin with, and you're just getting into it. It's like, that's like, in in my opinion, that's the like you said, that could be the, just the definition of being like extremely an extremely raw pitcher. So yeah, the one thing, and this is credit to uh, his name's Matt. I'm eating nachos. I think was the one who pointed out in the Discord. But you know, what do you think of when you think of Jackson Job? What was his calling card, right? The slider. 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 Yes, how many sliders he threw today? Zero. He threw zero sliders today. So either. Something's hurting his arm, and he can't throw sliders. That's the negative aspect. The positive aspect could be like, hey, you're going to go out and you're going to throw two innings today, and you're not going to throw a single slider. We want you to see you compete and use your other pitches. And it's not like his slider's been super dominant, but I could see how they're just trying to, you know, develop them that way. So 10 fastballs, six curves, three change-ups, one sinker. Got three whiffs on the fastball, one on the change-up. Uh, you know, it, it could have been that. Could have been – who knows what it could have been. I don't know if any, we had anybody – any of our uh, – our, our Lakeland people down there to spy out what happened. Like we knew that uh, through them, we heard that Campos, I think he got a collision at home plate. He had a triple, gotten a collision at home plate and, and hasn't played since, which is a bummer. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. On Salt Lake Yeah. I mean, could they, I mean, for Job, like, I'm not sure. Cause like, that's the, that's the thing with sliders. It's like, I, um, it's not exactly splitter territory. But the one thing about it, when you're throwing a slider compared to a curveball, is that you really have to, you really have to just snap it off a lot harder. It's like with a with a curveball, you're not exactly supposed to take anything off of it. But like the arm action is different, and there's a lot more wear on throwing a slider compared to a fastball. It's like you know, even when pitchers are doing rehab assignments, coming back from surgery or anything like that, it's like you have fastball bullpens first, and then depending on how your recovery is going, then you start throwing breaking balls. So. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say his armor is hurting. Don't. No, no it's I, pure not. speculation. Here's more pure speculation. This is what I like to think they said. They said, hey, you're going to go out and you're not going to throw your slider till the third inning. And so he went out and completed two innings. They said, and hey, now you're done. You're not going to throw a third inning. <laughs> Just I mean, to mess with he, his head. Like, 
was he overthrowing a slider in Lakeland? I don't think and, so. I mean, I think he just, you know. I didn't think I, so, it, yeah. It's like watching the video, it didn't look like he was he was throwing like first pitch sliders or just like constantly trying to use it as a strikeout pitch. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could check his game logs. I think it could be a case where it's like they, you know, here's, they got the music going. They're like, today, Job, you're going to pitch two innings. Your challenge. And then they just put it on the board. And they just point to it. And they're like, and he just goes out there. Because it's just, like some of the, it, some of it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm sure it makes sense for Gabe Rivas and everybody down there, you know, and they're all getting ready for him to do certain things. Like, okay, so now you're gonna throw a fastball and you're gonna thread it through this needle. Excuse me, I don't know, maybe it's just something like that, but um, that's irresponsible speculation. It, it's, <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, Walter, it's uh, Japanese Blaze of the Warrior, so it's similar to Zelda music, but. And then you see Job in a forest somewhere just doing the one thing with one, like, he's somewhere in the Everglades fighting off the biggest python. By the way, it was pulled into the Everglades this week, or there was a nest this week that a 250-pound python was pulled out of uh, Florida Everglades, and it had a deer, a full-size deer in the mammal population. But anyways, can you imagine him, you know, him going on top of one of the, the swamps and just going... Job's getting, anyway, all right, montage. Uh, all right, just, away. just, uh, just to f- uh, finish that, he threw the the slider was his fourth most pound pitch in his previous start, fourteen percent. So, and, and uh, so, in both of his last two starts, his velocity has been down a little bit. So maybe, I don't know. I mean, the one it's all speculation, but maybe I hate to better. say it, but like this is this is the the last thing you need, you want to hear when you're from your coaches when you're working on pitching development is the the last thing you want your coaches to say is um. We want you to take a little bit off your fastball because you can't throw it in the zone. Mm. It's like hopefully that's not the case either. It's like, but that's uh, that's where my brain goes first. And like this is gonna be this is gonna sound kind of silly, but you mentioned um, uh, Raj, you mentioned you mentioned that being in the woods, and I don't know why my brain went here first, but I don't know if you guys remember Kyle Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I don't know. This is the this is always the one thing I remember in spring training. They were telling a story about how. In the off season, he would go to Florida and alligator hunt. Really, I did yeah. not know that. Well, he yeah, was from it. I think I think he's from Auburndale, which is right outside of Lakeland. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. So that, I, I don't know why my brain went there, and that that story just kind of lives in my head. What rent free? It's like <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that. Yeah, that's where my brain went first. But to, uh, to answer the question about compost, compost is still having a really good month. And I, I put the, the answers in there, 16 for 53 in the month of June, batting over 300. And he's still doing this with not a lot of power. It's just doing a lot of live drives and what have you. So uh, as far as complex league goes, gentlemen, uh, that's pretty, that's going to be 30 seconds worth of stuff. Chris, I want you to talk about some of the pitching numbers you explained to me Friday night. Uh, well, yeah, the, the Florida complex league. So they, when we last checked, I believe that the FCL Tigers were two and twelve, and had given up a hundred and eight runs in one hundred and six innings, I think. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, the next game, I believe they they lost twenty two to five. <laughs> they actually have a, a decent offense, and you know, uh, Adenso Reyes is down there, seemingly you know forever stuck in complex ball. But Abel Bastidas, who was one of their high priority signings last year, uh, had a really good week. Seven for 19, two doubles and a home run. I think it's his first home run stateside. So it's got to keep watching. But yeah, the the uh, the pitching, boy, they don't have a lot of pitching down there. And uh, I don't know, maybe they'll draft a bunch of high school pitchers and put them down there this year. Yeah, yeah. it was it, it was um, it was tough to see the FCL the first week. It's like I I didn't know it was gonna it was gonna be that rough because like it it looked like the um. Clayton Campbell and Adin Reyes and all those guys, they were, they looked like they were really just putting together fantastic at bats. Like Clayton Campbell, especially, it's like I know we um well said like the Australian league is mm-hmm. yeah, we signed him out of Australia and it's like I it looked like he was extending at bats pretty well. He was hitting for a decent amount of power, but it's like looking at the scores in that first week, it's like I was because I unfortunately I wasn't able to catch this past week for the FCL, but like I was I was seeing it's like can't get this bad, can it? But like, unfortunately, yeah, that's it's tough. Yeah, it's it's, and that's not a good sign. 
Um, maybe in July, if we're having the same conversation a month from now, that's still not a good sign. I mean, it, as far as pitching goes, and that's when the emphasis now, if you think about it this way, maybe it makes sense now why Baseball America said their first two picks could be pitching because maybe they look down there and they're like, uh, it's, you know, but they're, but then again, I, I don't think, I think it's, it's safe to say there's not a lot of interesting hitters either. So the Tigers need everything and uh, we'll be ramping up the am, ramping up the draft coverage here. So, but nevertheless, yeah, I, I just, it, it just did not look good. You know, so. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I don't know if we touched on this in another show before, but like, you've heard this like i'm not going to say you heard this from fans because all all the fans have the same opinion of what they want the tigers to do in the draft this year but like i kind of hold the same opinion but not to that higher esteem it's like of course if there's a pitcher that like you can't avoid taking in the first round like yeah sure go for him if he's the if he's like an undeniable talent but like i still believe it's like the tigers need offense this year it's like our hitting prospects are few and far between the charts it's like, and honestly, like you said, I, I think Chris, you said this before. It's like you can honestly find good pitching everywhere across the board. It's like we start, we saw it with Skubal as well. Took him in the sixth round. It's like honestly, it's like, and one of our strengths in the system is developing pitching. So if we can really just play to our strengths and uh, you can draft pitching anywhere, but like if you just draft that pure talent hitter in the first round, that would be my. That'd be my okay sign. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't put any. I didn't give any mind to the uh, the Baseball America mock draft because it was just kind of. I don't think it was a mock draft based on what they were hearing. It was basically like, here are all our editors, and who would you pick at this spot? Like, and they're like, oh, I like this guy. Had nothing to do with teams. I don't think it. Right. But I think they uh, the one they did like, hey, I can. This guy's named Jackson. He throws a, a breaking ball with a lot of spin. I'll I'll take him. That's what the Tigers like. Um, but I did. I pulled up the numbers. For the FCL Tigers, if you want to hear them, yes, it's a nine one five ERA through fifteen games. Nine one five. The the Astros Orange, by the way, have a two three one ERA. So nine one five ERA, one hundred eighteen hits or one hundred eighteen innings, one hundred twenty nine hits, one hundred thirty four runs, twenty home runs, ninety nine walks. And what's the Astros uh, Orange ERA again? Two three one. Two three one. Oof. Yeah, that's so, no yeah. no words for that one. It's just like yeah. a running out of excuses with big club too. Just no no excuse for this one. Yeah, I got nothing. I, and that's yeah. maybe the, that's the way to end the podcast this evening because honestly, I got, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. So uh, there's there's yeah, there's a couple of written articles this week. I've been neglecting. I all I have like two or three articles drafted and outlined. I just have not had a chance to do it, but. Uh, back almost to 100. percent There'll be some stuff coming out on the minor league report. So go to tigermanreport.com or tigersmlreport.com and check out all the great content that will be hopefully coming out. Uh, Gavin, I just MIA. Hopefully we'll hear from Gavin here and there's some stuff. We got some uh, news to announce this week too coming up that will uh, get closer to that. And so uh, more details on that. But the draft show that we've done the last three years. This is oh, excuse me. This will be year three, technically. Uh, will be Sunday, July 17th. And that's going to be over at the Woodward Sports Studio. So more information on that, you go to um, woodwardsports.com. Or if you want to go and check us out, or it's a pin to my profile on Twitter at Rajcast Baseball. So we'll be ramping up the at- draft coverage. And if there's any final thoughts for you guys before we get out of here this evening. Yeah. Ole Miss won the College World Series. Good for them. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you for reminding me. Did you watch, that's all for them. Did you watch the uh, Red Wings thing? I'm going to watch that as soon as I'm done here. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it was on my, it's on my DVR. I have not had a chance to watch it. I, today I was, I watched my nephew, by the way, there, congratulations to my team Southgate who advances to the semifinals, but they play the top seeded Taylor central. So Taylor central, as you know, Taylor Northwest, or Taylor Northwest won the little league world series. And so Taylor's drawn from a good pool and according to my brother, they have a kid who's throwing 45, 50 miles an hour at eight or nine years old, which is pretty significant. So he's already thrown some heat. And uh, South, if Southgate wins on Tuesday, they advance to the championship game. It's round robin style, of course. So if they lose, they have a chance to, you know, uh, how that continues to work. But either way, they won um, today. 
uh, over Taylor Brownstown South, 13, 14 to 5. So, David, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, because uh, I, I think this is hilarious. Um, so we all we all know the Yankees, right? Big old New York Yankees lighting the world on fire. Uh, I, I just want to really, really want to have a laugh today at their um record setting mark of 16 straight um hitless innings. So that seeing that on Twitter today made me laugh reasonably hard. So that's my that's my final thought. Uh, and to answer Walter's question in the our YouTube channel, I, I thought that the, the Woodward Pistons guys did a fantastic job. And yes, we're gonna have a guy. We're gonna have uh, Spencer who's gonna be running the camera. So we'll actually have it's gonna be chaos, and, and, but in a good way. But our way. I mean, if you if you watched the draft show last year, we had pretty good. Even with all the audio issues, once I stopped talking and figured it out, it was fine. But yeah, we're gonna have a technical director, so we're gonna have multiple cameras. We're gonna—it's gonna be the same production style you're gonna see from Woodward that you've been seeing. So it's, we're gonna be on the main channel, I believe, as well. So looking forward to that uh, a lot because if there's one thing I've been liking since I've been joining Woodward is I have to do less work in terms of like the behind-the-scenes stuff when you're recording, you're producing, you're doing the graphics, you're doing the social media, you're doing all that stuff. You know, Chris and I have all the stuff we do on, on a weekly basis. It, it to have help goes a long way. So yeah, I did jump in a pool last year, Walter, and I cannot due to my appendix injury. Well, I probably could by then. I'd probably be medical clear to jump in a pool if I wanted to. But we'll figure out some sort of punishment. Maybe there'll be a pool of Jello or something. I don't know. I haven't talked to the Woodward guys yet, but I know that they they liked the, They liked the stunt I did last year, um, but this year. We're going to be in the studio because we're going to have Trevor Huth from Bless You Boys. We're going to have Brandon Day from Bless You Boys. We're going to have some guys from the Cleveland Guardian Insider. And then we're going to have James Fox from the Future Sox. And Dan Hasty is a maybe. So Dan Hasty, mm-hmm. the voice of the, the smooth, delicate, uh, velvety smooth, Dylan, the voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps will be joining us. So I used a lot of adjectives there that were blabbing together. But anyway, at any rate, Walter, Jeremy, and we also had who else we had in the chat tonight? We had uh, CY or C Willie or C Michelle's Wee, Michelle Wee's relationship. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, thanks for everybody for participating tonight on YouTube. Appreciate it. David, thank you for putting the show together online. Much appreciated. And we'll talk to you yeah. next week with all the content available over at Tigers Minor League Report.com. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>